Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. So what would be your goals and objectives today uh, with our with our session? Um, okay. What what are you what are you I thinking would, about? I would like to focus on my my son Alexander is 18 months old. I think you could see him right there. Can you see? Can you see? Hi, Alexander. Yes, I can. Um, Hi, yeah, Alexander. He's 18 months old. And um I noticed since birth, one of it, I don't know if it's one or both or depending. It looks like it's slightly off. Um, I don't know if you received the pictures I sent. I did. Um, and I just, okay. And I, I attempted to go to an eye, like an ophthalmologist, but I kind of walked out politely because they just wanted to do too much, dilate. I just didn't want to do that just yet. And I'm wondering if you could help assess what the problem might be and if there's something natural or exercise or something holistic that could maybe treat it. Or sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to make sure it's not an issue and it's not going to get worse and you know something I have to be ahead of. Absolutely. So uh, Alexander is eighteen months old. Is that is that correct? Yes. Okay. And tell me a little bit about your gestation period, uh, the birth process. Yes. Um, anything unusual there? I went through IVF for about eight years. Um, I had him when I was 51. I actually carried him uh, through to 37 weeks. And um, we were supposed to go to 40. I, my pregnancy was fine. Uh, no issues, no, you know, um, nausea, no cravings, nothing. It's just up to 37 weeks. I, my blood pressure was starting to elevate. So my OB wanted to, uh, to uh, take him out and we did a C-section. Uh, he was born four pounds, a little underweight, uh, 15 ounces. And they said he was just under five pounds. So they had to put him in the NICU. And they said it's because he had a little low blood sugar and low body temperature. We were both in the hospital for about five days, me to regulate my blood pressure. And then my son to regulate his body temp and his sugar. And then we released. And since then he's, you know, he's seeing a holistic pediatrician and He's taking vitamin D, probiotic, and DHA, and knock on wood, he's been healthy, hasn't been sick. Great. Okay. So um, after the birth, um, brought him home. Um, what, what is his what is his mobility? Uh, does he move around a lot? Is he on his tummy at all? Do you, you know, what, what's what what kind of active mobile activities are you? engaging with him you mean when he was when he came home from the hospital or in general well you know after so he's 18 months so we've got no. you know a little bit of track record here obviously you know um is there any mobility on the floor is he oh, yes. scooting yes. crawling very, tell me yes. about his uh his mobility experience yes he's right now he's up uh, walking he loves to okay. be very active he walks almost runs around the house. He's very active. Um, 
let's see, we take him outside and, and I, I'm just stay focused, but this is his baby nurse. This is Misa. She, she's known him since okay. birth. And she could chime in. Um, he loves to be outdoors. He goes, he climbs the stairs here outdoors in a little slide he has in the backyard, um, you know, with our assistance. Mm -hmm. uh, she taught him to walk, go up and down the stairs with, with assistance. Um, yeah, like he wrote, just like a, seems like a healthy boy. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, cool. Tell me about his, um, his crawling. Uh, Has he through the crawling stage much yes. or? Yes, he did go through the crawling stage. Yes. Um, very fast. <laughs> People say he's the fastest crawling they've ever seen and he's progressed to walking. So he really, he, he crawls from time to time, but he very fast okay. and he prefers to walk. So when you say fast, meaning he kind of went from say sitting to standing walking and he was in the crawling stage, but it was kind of a, a quick stage. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if I missed if I. Are you, he's, he's, he, he likes uh, to crawl crossed. and it's funny because sometimes he crawls really quickly. No, he, um, he started crawling, right? Misa? I think it was a little late, but no, I think it was maybe mm -hmm. nine, nine months between six and nine months. Right. Misa? he started crawling yeah. and, um, yeah, he, he did tummy time before then he crawled. I, I can't, for about i should have written this down i should have had this prepared but he crawled okay, for he started walking maybe 14 months 13 months okay yeah okay excellent excellent and anything else you want to say about his developmental arc um you know anything food wise he's eating well and how's his sleep and you know those kinds of things He's, he's, he's eating well. Um, yeah, we're just it's a little challenges to sleep. He's sleeping through the night, more or less, like I would say five out of seven days of the week. That's been a little bit of a challenge, but um, he wakes up very early and, you know, subsequently put him to sleep pretty early. He wakes up around four or five, and then we put him down around five or six, and we're trying to stretch things out. He takes one nap a day for about two and a half hours. Okay. And my goal is, you know, I'm an early riser too, so I don't mind, but my goal is maybe to push it out a little like six to six and, um, okay. his day. and, and yeah. And, uh, because of his, uh, he wakes up early, he naps early. So it kind of, okay. we're not able to really take him out for any, you know, meaning like, um, I wanted to bring him to like a church for a mommy and me or library, sure. but we certainly sure. uh, fill his day with activities at home. Excellent. Okay, so let me give you a little context on where I'm coming from. And it is gonna be different than say ophthalmology or regular eye care. So some of the things I'm gonna share with you, you know, we can, we can talk about and I can go into a little more elaboration. But um, the first thing I would say is that the eyes are the outer part of the brain. The eyes are an extension of the brain. Every part of the eye tissue is brain. And we start developing our eyes very early in utero. Uh, some say two weeks after, but in any event, we start to see the, they call them optical vesicles and they start growing out from the brain, you know, prenatally. So every tissue of the eye is brain tissue. Now, 
when we start developing vision, and I want to make a distinction here between vision and eyesight, seeing things clearly, seeing things clearly, like if you went for an eye exam, that would, the test would be, you'd look at the distance eye chart, maybe the near eye chart, and then somebody would calculate some prescription for you. That is only one aspect of vision. So let's define what vision is. It's how the eyes and the brain and the body work together. And vision starts developing actually very early in utero. One of the places as examples where we start developing our peripheral vision when we're floating in the amniotic fluid. So when mom is, you know, moving around and walking and in different positions, the the fetus is going, wow, I'm floating. So my vestibular system, which is the inner ear, is starting to get activated. And even though I'm in a dark chamber, because of the movement, that's also stimulating my peripheral vision. And then when we come out of the birth canal or however we're born, that's another very important time uh, for sensory motor development, sensory motor beginnings. And so we're talking about the brain and the eyes here. And one of the parts of the brain that's very involved in vision development is something called the brain stem. This is, we call it the reptilian brain. It's our survival brain. We all have it. It's a, it's a part of our brain that helps us with new experiences, survival, and there are certain movement patterns that are accompanied accompanying this survival response. And you may have heard of some of these. It's very big in occupational therapy. It's called the primitive reflexes, primitive survival reflexes. And one of the most famous reflex is called the Moro reflex. And another term for that would be called the startle reflex. So the primitive reflexes, and there's several of them, And the purpose of these primitive reflexes is in part to help the newborn enter the world. I'm sorry, this is my my husband, Sal. He's actually, he's actually, he's a neurosurgeon. So he's like listening on, he was just- Thank you. Okay. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. For sure. I'll be right here listening. Okay. Thank you. So anyway, these primitive reflexes are important because they help in the newborn's ability to adjust to being in, in new situations. And so you might say, well, what do these what do these early movement patterns have to do with straight eyes or crossed eyes? Well, there's a whole group of optometrists in Denmark and Sweden who have researched this relationship between the primitive reflexes and vision, visual coordination. And I studied with them for a few years and learned that these primitive reflexes, if they're not fully integrated, they start to affect visual aiming, visual coordination. So the hierarchy is that we start with brainstem and the primitive reflexes. And then as the infant toddler starts moving around, being mobile, 
these primitive reflexes begin to go away. They integrate into the brain. And so then the next set of movement patterns would be things like what you're talking about, tummy time, crawling, uh, walking, and then eventually hopping, skipping. I mean, that's going to come later. And so that's controlled by the cerebellum. That's kind of a higher center of the brain, but it's more of the gross motor uh, control. And then finally, once the gross motor is foundational, then we move to the specific muscles like the eye muscles. We call it fine motor control. Oral motor would be another like speaking, having good tongue control. So there's a hierarchy in vision development that I learned about as it relates to children's vision. So again, when you go for a traditional exam, what they're doing is they're, they're looking more mechanically at the eyeball as a separate entity from the brain and the body. And so when you use things like eye drops, what you're testing is the focusing facility, the eye muscles, and you're also looking for eye disease, both valid and important. But when you start using eye drops, they paralyze the focusing muscles. And then the doctor is going to calculate a very strong farsighted prescription. And he's going to say, wear this farsighted prescription, and it will force the eyes to straighten. Well, when you do something like that, you're actually stunting the visual development um, evolution. So, but, but that's what the, the classical eye doctor says, either we use strong glasses to force the eyes to straighten, or in some cases, well, let's cut the eye muscle so we can cosmetically make it look straight. And those are basically very mechanical, externally kind of um, treat, treatment modalities. And the child is going, well, what, what, what is all this about? Why are you giving me this? And they usually shut down. They usually withdraw. And when you get eye muscle surgery, it creates a lot of confusion in the brain. Because this is a key point here. It's the brain that directs the eye muscles. And so if you change the length of the eye muscle, then the brain says, well, now what? Because I wasn't in on this you know, this decision. So what I think I'm going to end up doing is I'm just going to revert back to what happened before the surgery. And so then the surgeon says, well, let me do it again. And I'll do it again. And the success rate is very low. And it's creating more and more scar tissue in the eye muscles. And it's also creating more confusion in the brain. And so if I've worked with a lot of adults who've had, you know, ch children's eye muscle surgery. And they always second guess themselves. They're they're very they're uncertain about um, their vision because the overlay of you know shortening the muscle has been put on them at a very young age, and it's not an organic answer of learning how to use the eyes and the brain and the body together. So, you know, for some people, that's what they want. Cool. It's in my approach isn't for everybody because what I'm going to suggest for you is stimulation, maybe some experiences that kind of encourage, encourage, and the key word here is integration.
integration between the two eyes and the body. So in this strabismus, which is what the medical term is, when I looked at the pictures, it actually looked to me like there could be an alternating strabismus, that the right eye is preferred to turn in, but I did notice in one of the pictures that the, the um, left eye turned in and the right eye was straight. Right. So, yeah. there, so there was an alternating. And one of the advantages of the alternation is that you are reducing the risk of something called lazy eye or amblyopia. So let me explain. If one eye is turned in all the time, it's turning away from the world. It's turning away from life. It's either the, the child is either going to say, I see double because the eyes are misaligned. Now at 18 months, the, you know, Alexandra is not going to say that, but the other option is the brain just suppresses the eye. It just ignores the eye. So then the left eye is doing the work. So if it was just the right eye turning in over time, because that eye is in and it's not being used, it starts to become lazy. We call it amblyopia. And so fast forward to when he's able to read an eye chart, you're going to notice a big discrepancy in the clarity between his left eye and right eye because he's using his left eye mostly and the right eye is turned in. Now, when it's an alternating situation, the good news about that is that sometimes the left eye is turning in and the right eye is working. So that's getting the exercise, that's getting the stimulation. So the visual acuity being able to read the eye chart is more balanced. So it still comes down to there is a kind of a, a lag here in Alexander learning how to use his two eyes together. That's what you're seeing. And the way I would interpret that is developmentally, his vision is younger than 18 months. Yeah, right. Because so when we evaluate children, we look at their chronological age. And then we look at their performance age. Now, this is a whole other level of evaluating vision than just putting eye drops in, looking at eye health, prescribing strong glasses. And I can appreciate your sentiments, sentiments on walking out because it sounds like if you're seeking me out, you're looking for a more holistic, integrative approach. And I'm assuming... Yes, sir. Say yes. again? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I'm assuming in your philosophy, in your lifestyle, you know, where are places that you put your holistic ideas um, uh, medically or uh, oh, nutritionally? I've been taking supplements since 18. I, supplements? Yeah, organic. Diet. Yes. Okay, you organic. Uh, what about What about any, do you ever do any treatment modalities like acupuncture Massage. I did, or, I did acupuncture throughout my uh, pregnancy. Yes. And prior to my pregnancy. You did acupuncture. Okay. Yes, so, um, so obviously the things I'm going to say to you resonate and, you know, I'm hoping in, in some cases, you know, with your husband also um, that, you know, you're going to have to take a more global approach and a more patient approach in this because Basically, what Alex, what I'm going to teach you is Alexander is going to now be in the school of vision. Mm 
yeah. school of vision, which is going to stimulate the potential and give him the opportunity for him to discover and learn how to use his two eyes together. That's basically what the, the program is. And it's a nonlinear uh, program in the sense that some days are going to be better. Some days may be worse. Um, and if you see the eye turning in, it's a signal that he either may be getting sick. He may be fatigued. He may need a timeout. He may be overwhelmed. So in other words, when children start turning their eyes in, there's some reason that their system and, you know, the nerves and the muscles that go into the eyes, the eyes reflect our nervous system, our endocrine health. Uh, you know, I've studied acupuncture and when I learned acupuncture, I couldn't believe the glands and organs that affect the eyes, the liver, the gallbladder, the spleen, the pancreas, yes. these organs. Now I'm talking energetically now, I'm not talking you know, getting a regular blood test, but I'm talking energetically, these all affect the eyes. Dr. Brown, could so I the first for a second? I'm so sorry. I just want to make sure. Um, is there a chance, because um, it kind of, um, it kind of what you said about him, uh, he's behind and is there a chance that since he's preemie and like you're saying, his visual development may be a, a bit behind his age, his chronological age, because he's a preemie, could he, could he possibly get better with time? Number one, number, and number two, my, my quick question was, um, what was my question? My husband had a question. Yes, because that's something like it get better with time. Like, do you think that's the reason why he has it? And I'm not so sure my husband were convinced that it actually, it turns in. Like I do notice it when he's tired that it does look like it turns a little bit, but I'm not sure my husband uh, agrees with okay, that. Okay, well, let's, let's address those things because he's got valid points here. So since I said to you, the, the, um, the eyes are the only part of, the brain that sits outside the cranial vault. Um, the, the eyes have the capability of something called neuroplasticity, meaning that you can both create new pathways and regenerate. Uh, and especially as a child, the level of new brain pathways that are mapping is exponential. Now, when you hit 25, age 25, it's a little harder to access neuroplasticity. You can. Now, I studied this and learned this from a group of neuroscientists. I didn't learn this from eye doctors. I mean, I, I get frustrated with the eye doctors because they are not open to neuroplasticity, but the neuroscientists are. So um, in answer to your question, yes, 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 yes. You can definitely improve this and at his age, I mean, you'll start doing some things and then you'll notice that, oh my God, you know, you'll, you'll notice other changes. But I, I want to address something that your husband is picking up and let's see if I can find it. Um, hold on a minute. I'm going to. Um, so this definitely can get... be treated, like cured, so to speak. Yeah, of course it can. Of course. Um, now, I want to do a disclaimer, and the disclaimer is this is a nonlinear process. It's going to take yeah. some time. And as I said, there are going to be some days that your 
um, you know, you're going to say, oh, he's worse. And then there are other days where you're going to say, oh, he's better. And, you know, I think that you're just going to have to trust the process with it. Um, I mean, he's so young to be able to, um, you know, to, to, to work on this. All right, let me see if I can get this up on, um, do a, sh a screen share with you. Um, let me come back to, here. it's always a tricky thing here. Because I want to show you this picture. Okay. Yes, we definitely. All right, so you see oh, also, Dr. Here. Byrne, my husband just walked up. Hold, hold on, please, one second. Sal? Sal? Can you say he's showing us some pictures? Do you mind? Just, uh, yeah, sorry. Just, uh, I mean, this, is, this is also, it's also recorded, so I mean. All right, you see, you see the bridge of the nose here. This is a pretty wide bridge, and it can look like an eye is turning in, but it's just because this bridge is so wide. We see this a lot in the Asian culture. Right. Oh. And so it can look like the right eye is turning in when it's just this bridge is so wide that actually, you know, the eye may not be turning in. I mean, it looks in this picture. Now, it depends on the distance he's looking at. So if he's looking more in the distance, you could take a look at his eyes, maybe take a picture, and his eyes might be more straight. Whereas if you bring him in to say your face, that's a skill called convergence where the eyes actually should turn in a little bit. And it looks as though his right eye is converging a little more than the left, but it also could be this, um, this bridge being so wide that makes it look like it's turned in when yeah, that's it's actually what it, not. The pediatrician actually said that he felt like it had something to do with my husband can explain it, the like you just said, and also like the flap or the skin over his eye. Cause he said that when he examined mm -hmm. him, it looked like both eyes sat properly like a line, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I see him every day. And I, I think you can, um, based on the picture you've seen, I think you do agree there's an issue, correct? I would say that there might be an issue and it'd be worth it to be proactive okay. and yes, start doing some activities. Um, again, there was, there was another picture I saw where the left eye was looked like it was turned in and the right eye looked like it's straight. Right. But a lot of it depends on where he's looking, like how far away is he looking? Is he looking? What happens if he looks up? What happens when he looks down? So in other words, um, you know, you can observe his coordination or his fixation based on his posture and his positioning and where he's looking. Those are all things. So another thing to test for would be if that right eye is turning in, what you would want to do is, you know, play a game where you're feeding him from the right side and see if his peripheral vision on the right side is actually like, in other words, what is his response when you put something way off to the right? Does he move his head? Does the right eye actually move? That would be something for you to note because let's say you move something off to the right side and his right eye didn't move at all. Okay. That would be a, a red flag, but if there was something that he was interested on that right side, and this is going to be 
part of your your school of vision where I want you to start stimulating more of his peripheral vision. I want you to get him to have more awareness out here. Now, how do you do that? Well, one thing is to change his position of his car seat. So, you know, maybe one day have the seat on the left side, maybe the next day have it in the middle and then the next day on the right side. So in other words, what I want you to start feeding him is different experiences on making him use his vision in places where you might see a deficit. Okay. And so when the eye is turned in or there's an alternating situation, and this may even be an intermittent situation, maybe if he's tired. Um, again, what we do is a, we do what we call a cover test where we have him look at something, we cover an eye, he's looking at the object and then we cover the other eye and you can start to see the eye moving as you take the cover away. And that would definitively tell you that there's an alternating situation. If you pressed me on diagnosing this, I would say he's got an intermittent alternating esotropia. That would be the medical diagnosis. But I'm saying intermittent, so it doesn't happen all the time. And it's alternating. And it's, we're still in the early stages where I think his visual development is lagging behind his chronological age. And I think that that is a, that's a, I would say that that would be kind of a safe assessment diagnosis where we're acknowledging something may be going on, but it's not like that. Yeah. And you don't don't think of it anything like as organic going on, like something seriously, like, you know, uh, anatomical. I think it's just, I, I don't think he got the software update yet. Yeah, right. I, think, I, I, I agree with that. He's opinion. got the hardware, but I don't think he knows how to use it. And so yeah, because- the best way the best way to fix this is to start giving him software so that he's got to begin to use the hardware in a variety of different situations and conditions. And that's an important okay. point because the variety and also the interaction where you're not just doing it to him, but he's got to have some affect in, in, he's got to have some skin in the game because that's how he's going to learn it. That's why imposing strong glasses or surgery is going to make him more disconnected. I mean, it's, it's going to take him further away from what you're trying to achieve. You know, I'm sorry to say that, but they're trying to treat a symptom. I agree with that. Without the under, I, I, I'm sorry, interrupt. my husband just had a question. He wanted me to ask you if this is normal for his age. Um, and I think it's because he's, I think we kind of, um, and then um, he said he is not fully myelinated um, and it is very infrequent. Right. But both of those, um, this is very normal. And he's absolutely right. He's not fully myelinated. And so again, um, if we feed the eyes with stimulation, you're going to grow and learn. This is, this is what infants do, right? I mean, just the changes of... So another thing that you can do, are, if you're breastfeeding, change the breast. In no. other words, 
You're not. Okay. So even, even if you're not, even if you're not in the way that he's getting his nutrition, I want you to change the position and the experience on how he has to engage with it. You know, that's interesting because when I do feed him his bottle, it's always on my, he's on my left arm and he tends to look in that direction the whole time. That's interesting. So I want to do it on the other. So, so your, your, um, as a vision therapist, so I'm training you as a vision therapist now. So this is like physical therapy for the eyes is you have to be thinking about how can I, uh, create more variety in his visual processing sensory motor experience. So the car seat, um, like if he's on his back, I would, I would do some kind of visual stimulation out into the periphery. Like I want to see him look up. I want to see him look behind. I want to see him look to his left, but I want you to expand his scope of visual processing like by a hundred percent like no more this 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 is this is going to feed in to the crossing if you keep him here so his brain is saying give me give me it out here okay so another thing that's related here is something called the vestibular system we call this the inner ear and the inner ear and the eye are very related in terms of balance, orientation, and fixation. So when we see the eye turned like this, what I interpret it as is we need to create more vestibular stimulation. So rocking, spinning, rolling. So in other words, get him into more of that somatic body movement, circular, up, swinging, rolling. That's gonna help his eyes because when the vestibular gets stimulated, the eyes go from here. If you see my hands, they they go out. So in other words, there's more peripheral. He does it to himself. And you know, that's another complaint we had, Dr. Umber, is that he, especially when he's tired, he's very off balanced. Like he, he just, of course, of course. again, again, he's, he's in, he's in a very early stage in his sensory motor development. So we need to get him to work with his balance. However, you can do that. And another thing that's going to help his visual coordination is getting him to do more i want a lot more of his cross patterning crawling like he didn't do enough of that he didn't do enough of that so there's a there's a research research studies out of rutgers which said the kids that dwelled in their crawling were better readers than kids who crawled fast and, you know, didn't dwell in crawling. So whether he did or he didn't, or he did enough, and you may think he did enough or he, he didn't, he didn't do enough. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, he didn't. Okay. So one of the ways to improve the visual coordination and the near focus is getting, getting him to move his right 
arm with his left leg. I mean, that would be it simultaneously, but we want him to do the crawling in the cross patterning in an obstacle course. So in other words, this may, this may be, he may be too young for this yet, but with kids that I work with that are a little older, what we have them do is we have them do cross patterning movements, but they have to do it under a chair, around pillows. So they bring their eyes as a GPS system, moving their body through space, going forwards and more importantly, going backwards. So that motoring going backwards is gonna teach him about peripheral. I gotta look behind me. And he's gotta use his eyes to move his body through space. I work with a lot of OTs. I work with special needs kids over the years. The visually guided and visually directed movements are one of the best ways to get them to start using their two eyes together. Okay. And the crawling is the linchpin where they really work on the cross patterning. Now, another thing you can do with that is have him lie out on his on on his body, so he's like a log, and roll him, roll him across the room. When you roll him, it's stimulating the right side of the body with the left side of the body. So it's activating the hemispheres of the brain. Remember, I said the eyes are just the outer part of the brain. So when you stimulate both hemispheres of the brain, it stimulates the two eyes to start integrating together. In other words, the way the, out of this is not by trying to force his eyes to straighten, it's to stimulate his body and his brain so his eyes now have a pathway on where to go. So rolling like a log. Another one is marine crawl. He does now, that. He does that all the time. He loves he does that. He's crawling. So with the marine crawl, I want him to go backwards as well as forwards okay. in an obstacle course. Okay. Now maybe he does maybe he's on your husband's back and okay. your husband's doing marine crawl and he gets the, the vestibular stimulation and also he's doing an obstacle course so that Alexander is experiencing oh, he's moving to his left, he's moving to his right. This can also occur with his hopping, and maybe you hold his hands, he hops on two feet or he hops on one foot. That would be another one for him to begin to get into forwards and backwards. So in other words, swinging, rolling, moving, in other words, I want, you know, a lot more motor stimulation, bilateral, peripheral, every which way you can. Hold them upside down, hold them at an angle. And, and I want the movement slow. So when you go slow, the brain has more of a chance to digest. I see a lot of kids when riding their bike. I can go fast, Dr. Byrne but they can't go slow because they're letting their speed be the momentum that, that tricks them into balancing. Right. So we're talking about mobility, movement, bilateral integration, changing the positions as much as you can, getting him on his back and doing stimulation, getting him on his belly, swinging, 
balancing. Um, and then I'm going to give you the primitive reflex that's most interfering with his ability to move forward. Okay. And that reflex is going to be called the starfish. Okay. It's a movement. Okay. And it helps integrate the uh, moral reflex. Okay. And so the movement, the movement is his, his hands start out like this and his head is back. And then he does this. And he puts his one arm over the other and he brings his chin in. Then he opens up again and he does the other side. So he's, he's moving his head and he's moving his arms. And then eventually I want him to do the same with his, his ankles. So okay. his upper body and lower body are both coming out, going out, and coming in. Now, one of the ways we do this at Kid Power, where I work, is we have the child sit with the back, their back to the mother's front. Okay. So in other words, like that, and you're holding his arms, and you're actually doing it for him. You're making this movement. This would be great for both of you as a bonding and so you're helping him do the moro, but you're you're directing it. Okay. So he's sitting on you, and okay. you're having his arms and his legs, and you're just moving back and forth. Okay. Um, and you do about four or five of those. That's a good one to do as a way to integrate that reflex. Um, and I think let's just leave it there. There's several of them that could affect his eyes. But what I would like to do in the strategy is give you some things to do for maybe six weeks and then we meet again and go over what are you observing what are you seeing what are you noticing what's working what's not what are you concerned about and then i can give you the next set of things to do because he's going to be in a physical therapy program a school of vision it's going to take a little time and Again, keep the big picture here. He's in a very plastic state. And there are days when you're going to say, his eyes are really straight. And then there are going to be days when you're going to say, his eyes turning in again. And I don't want you to get locked into that as the results because he's in a process. We want to stimulate his development and we want him to organically learn by giving him the software so that now he knows how to do the hardware. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And doctor, will I be just referring to this audio or do you do a recap? Uh, like, do you send notes or recaps of everything you said? Like this specific um, here, exercise, here, like, I wrote it down. Here's, here, yeah, here, I'll send you the Moro starfish. Okay. And one of the things about this is that you're probably gonna learn it better by watching the video again and taking notes so okay. that um, you'll do a better job at it. But I, I'll send you, you know, certain handouts and then you go for it. Yeah. And okay. it doesn't need to be perfect. This is not like going to the gym and you've got to do a perfect lat pull. That's not what this is. This is about giving your son brain food that's going to help his eyes. Okay. And the way you give him the brain food is by creating variety in his sensory motor experience. I'm giving you the combination of my 40 years of working with OTs, PTs, vision therapists, 
you are actually doing an occupational therapy type physical therapy for the eyes, which is like the best. I mean, it's not even eye exercises. And this is exactly what he needs to grow. And forget the ophthalmologist, forget going to those people because you're not lined up with it. All right, we have a few minutes. We have a few minutes left. I have one more thing I want you to consider. Okay. And I'm going to share this in a story that that I um, personally experienced and tell you how I got to this. So many years ago, I was working with a lot of autistic kids, and they had had a lot of birth trauma, and they had had a lot of eye turn. I turn in, I turn out. And the OT said to me, you know, I think you ought to go back to massage school and learn this osteopathic technique called craniosacral therapy. Oh. Have you ever heard, I think it's you ever heard of craniosacral? Mm-hmm. And so, um, by the way, that's a very um, evolved pediatrician who would even say something like that. Oh, that's he's a good... Yeah, he's just like, and by yeah, the way, he's doing absolutely. well because I worried about autism, but he's doing well so far. I got one. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I don't think I don't think you have to worry about that. But anyway, I went back to massage school and I learned the cranial technique, and I started to do it on kids like your son. And I would say in one or two sessions, their eyes would be completely straight. Wow. And the reason is, is because these bones in the skull and back here in the jaw, they affect how the eyes sit in the orbit. And so when I would create more space and more movement in the skull and the bones, the eyes could sit in the sockets easier. He's not too old for that, right, doctor? No. Dude, is he not too old? Well, it's the perfect age. In my training, we actually worked with moms who were delivering birth. We did craniosacral prenatally at birth, right at birth, right after birth. Wow. You can do it at any age. It doesn't, oh, now is the time. If you were in my city, I would be having my hands on his head like yesterday. There are a lot of great cranial people. This is not yeah, unique. Yeah. So some places that you can look, you can ask your pediatrician, word of mouth. You're looking for kind of more of a, okay, so then I want you to go. And it's not like you have to go. Yeah. go ahead, sorry? sorry? No, my husband just wasn't convinced, but I think and, he is now. I'm sorry. Um, well, because it changes how the anatomy is affecting the functional positioning in the orbit. And I didn't believe it either. I mean, I put my hands on people and they go, I don't feel anything. And so it was a really subtle, it's called the cranial rhythm. It's like the pulse. You can barely feel it. You have to get trained to do it. And it's very subtle. But the, the brain is... Um, producing or or moving the cerebral spinal fluid up and into the eyes. I mean, I went to a med, I went to an ophthalmology meeting in December for glaucoma, which is a a disease of vascular health. You go blind. And they even said, if you can improve the cerebral spinal fluid flow into the eyes, you can bring the eye pressure down. Wow. And they they didn't know anything about craniosacral, but that's exactly what craniosacral does. It impacts how the cerebral spinal fluid is impacting the sphenoid bone that sits behind the eyes. 
and the muscles and the orbit of the eyes. And so if you can create more movement in the face and the head, then the eyes are going to sit in a more relaxed way. I mean, hundreds, hundreds of cases, I've done pictures before and after it, it works. (laughs) Now, is it the total answer? No, because you're going to also have to feed his software so that when he gets under stress, he doesn't revert to turning one of his eyes in because that's when it's going to happen when he's under stress, when he's overwhelmed, when he's sick. So you're going to have to build that software so he's got more options than just defaulting into turning the eye in. But it's a whole body process. It's not just the eyeball. That's why I'm happy to do all these things. So I I want you to spend every day during the day, not just 10 minutes isolated. This is his new lifestyle. I'm home. Let's change. Yeah, let's do Let's change the car seat. Let's do some spinning, rolling. Let's get him into crawling. Let's get him into going backwards. Let's do that starfish. Let's do the hopping. Okay, I love Let's it. Balance better. I mean, I it's it's all going to work for you. So then, what I'd like to do is in about six weeks, let's set up another conversation. And I know there's going to be obstacles, roadblocks, skepticism, and there's also going to be great stuff. So I want you to bring it all because I've seen it all <laughs> at this know, point. I don't know if I've seen it. So much more relieved now that there's a, there's some hope, Doctor. Can I? I know oh you're. Can I ask you one more question, just quickly? Um, yes. Just part to me. What are your thoughts about like? I haven't had an eye exam in about eight years, like getting dilation, and I can't believe I poked myself in the eye last night. But I'm okay. My vision is back. I just feel a little gritty, and I want to go to the eye doctor to just check to make sure there's no scratch. Should I? Is there any issue with dilation just to get a full exam, or should I just kind of? It, you know, it kind of depends. I mean, do you have a history of, you know, any eye diseases, your mom, your dad? You know, I just have, I, I, yeah, I had a little bit of an eating disorder mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s. So I, I started seeing floaters and my um, vitreous was starting to generate and I should have been to an eye doctor 10 years ago. But so I see floaters, mm-hmm. but overall, my vision's very good. I know this is a lot. Uh-huh. to. By the, by the way, I have great remedies for floaters. I'll send you, you, you probably have seen that. Yeah. You. Anyway, should I go you know, through the probably, dilation? Should I go through the dilation? You know, it's, it's probably good. It's probably good to do it once. Okay. Um, just know that when you do it, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to read for no, a few hours. Bring sunglasses. Maybe have a friend drive you. Yeah, <clears throat> I just meant since maybe I don't know if my corneal is scratched. You you have to see if you can, you know, you can say, call up an eye doctor and say, oh, I think I, you know, I, I scratched my cornea a little. Can you look at it? Maybe that's all they'll look at. Sometimes that's what they'll do. Okay. Um, So I think it just depends. You know, the thing about the dilation is, is that if there's a genetic influence, then yes, you need to get dilated. But if not, you know, then you don't have to get dilated all the time. But, you know, like any any physical, it's good to get some baseline blood work. And, you know, that's basically what this is. And then you can okay. see after that um, if you need to go. But just take those precautions and then it'll be fine. You okay. Know, um, against the drops or anything. Just, just prepare yourself that, you know, it's going to be bright and sunny and that's yes. <laughs> bring your sunglasses. 
Okay, so I'm going to send you a couple of handouts, and I'll send you this recording, and uh, go to work. You got you got the prescription, and then um, yeah, and then let's talk about six weeks. Get some cranial work. Find a good cranial person. Um, It's wonderful. It's great. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll even have mom and the child lay on the table, and I'll do them both at the same time. And that brings you back to in utero time, which is really cool. Uh, But, you know, people do it different ways. It may be a 15-minute session, you know, may not be that long. Um, But just to get get the hands-on to see if you can create more movement in here could be really amazing. I mean, it could be a game changer. It's worth it. Oh, this has been yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, doctor. I really, I feel more You're hopeful. welcome. Oh my Thank God. Thank you so much. I look, glad forward to to this and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Yeah, All right. Bye. Take care. Bye, Thank doctor. You Thank bye you bye. so much. Have a nice yeah, day. You too. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.